The InvinoFab podcast brings meaningful conversations to our community of listeners. Part of this is sharing stories with and by our friends like Telesom, who want to bring meaningful experiences to you. At Telesom, we're on a mission to create meaningful work for sommeliers, meaningful connections for wine lovers, and to change the face of wine. For this season of InvinoFab, we're honored to raise a glass with sommeliers who want to share their wine secrets and knowledge with you. For this season of InvinoFab, we're collaborating with Telesom to fill your cup and your ear with sommelier stories, uncorking the wine tales. On this episode, we're excited to share Kelly Cornett's Psalm story. Kelly is a wine consultant and media specialist based in Atlanta, Georgia, with over 10 years of wine industry education and experience. She started her career being mentored by a South African winemaker while managing a winery in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, learning all aspects of wine production and tasting and room sales. Since founding A Cork in the Road LLC in 2018, she has contributed to publications about North Georgia wine country, designed multi-course wine pairing dinners for restaurants, hosted three seasons of A Cork in the Road podcast, and partnered with retailers to create unique education experiences. She continues to share the joy of all things wine through custom tastings, virtual classes, and wine versus beer adventures. Kelly, why don't you tell us a little bit about your wine story? How did you get into being a sommelier in in the world of wine? Well, that's a really interesting question for lots of reasons, because I've actually had a little bit of an identity crisis (laughs) in terms of my my wine journey. I actually don't even know if I would say I'm a sommelier. Um, So that's just, there's step one for you. Um, My background is actually in winery management. I used to manage a winery in the Shendo Valley of Virginia. Virginia is where, yes, we make wine there. There's about 300 wineries in the in the state of Virginia. But when I started, it was right after grad school. I was living in Virginia and I didn't want to go do anything related to my master's degree. I was like, I just needed a break from academics. And I knew a lot about wine because my family was into wine. So I guess you could kind of back it up and say, my dad is a big reason why I'm into wine, but we traveled. I was like a baby in a backpack in Napa. I'm sure on my parents' trips, I had been going to wine country for many, many years before I even knew what wine was, but we had wine at dinner. Wine was a part of everything that we did. My my dad had a wine collection, you know? And so when I was in Virginia and learning about the wine industry that was really starting to become a bigger deal. I said, you know, if I'm not going to do school stuff right now, let's just go and work at a winery. So I just picked up like a part-time job working at the tasting room, pouring wine for people. And I loved it. I loved the conversations that happened. I loved that I was also part-time travel agent. I could help people explore the area while they were in town. And then pretty soon, uh, I decided that I'm going to dive full in and I became the general manager of the winery. I got to do a lot of things, everything from helping to decide on blends in the winery and helping my winemaker taste the wines and score the barrels and decide the proportions that go into our wines. But I also was traveling around the state being a sales representative and selling our wine and pouring wine at wine dinners and working with chefs and it was like every aspect of the wine industry. And I did that for almost three years. So that's kind of where my love of wine started. 
and nothing like just diving right in. Oh, I love that. I love that. Excuse me. Could you tell us a little bit about how your wine work connects or maybe does not connect with your day job? That's a really interesting question because it really does overlap sometimes, not very often, but my day job is, and what I went to school for. So the whole reason I was in Virginia to begin with, I was getting my master's in exercise physiology. My background is in exercise science, kinesiology, and I didn't really know where that would land me professionally, but I always knew that I had these two dividing passions. One was helping people live their best life. And uh, one was helping people discover everything they could about wine. And I realized that I could do both. And while there are people that are interested in health and wellness and learning about wine, that's the combination of the two. But I find myself living two different lives and it's okay. It's almost like it totally works out. So Yes, they do overlap sometimes in terms of the people being interested, but for the most part, they're complementary passions in my life and they work out that way. So I guess that fits into your website yourself then. If you want to describe that punny title you've given your own business. I laugh about that because I read something recently that, you know, anybody that's doing wine stuff online, first step is like a punny name. And I never meant to do that, but I guess here we are. I, yeah, I don't do wine full time. So I've always kind of had this fork in the road, so to speak. And it's always been, you know, sometimes I'm doing public health and sometimes I'm doing the wine stuff. My friends come to me for both. So when I was looking for a name to create an online presence and to also start my own business, for wine education, I immediately went to the metaphor of a fork in the road and to turn it to the wine punniness, I went for a cork in the road. And you know what? I Googled it and it didn't exist. No one owned it. No one had the website. So I bought the website domain and there you go. That's where it started. We can appreciate a fine wine and a good pun always. Well, and that's not somewhat ties into like the road concept is you've got a lot of things that ties you around the world of wine, at least in the US. So you've been traveling and living in different places. Now, dare I dare we ask, do you have like a favorite region or kind of wine go-to in your travels in that corky road? The corky road that winds me everywhere. No, you know what? I that is the most difficult question, I think, of any wine lover, you know, and it's a very important question because we speak about wine from our own discovery and our own travels. I absolutely translate as much as I can from anywhere I go for wine, anybody I meet, anybody I taste with, I can't help but bring the insight that I've gained from those places to what I drink and what I share to my clients. And so yes, I have my favorite memories and I have my favorite places that I've been and it often translates to what I'm drinking, but it completely changes. I have no constant right now. For example, I'm in a total like Syrah mode. I guess that's always the case though. I always do drink Syrah, but I'm also in this hot weather in Atlanta, I'm drinking full bodied very beautiful white wines that I think I can drink without food or with food. So this leads me to things like my Marsan, my Roussan, my Viognier's. I am all about those kind of creamy textured wines. Chardonnay's for sure will always have my heart. 
But yeah, that's my white wine side. And then Syrah are what I'm going to right now, but that's just in the moment. It may change in six months. So uh, ask me again then, because <laughs> it may change. <laughs> oh, that's great. And I know I'm a pretty solid red wine drinker and you're now the second person that has talked up white wines. So I'm feeling like I need to expand my, expand my horizons a little like, and, you know, thinking about you know, some of the things that you were talking about, you know, the traveling that you've done and the different experiences and wine tastings that you've had. We would love to hear if you have a story about an experience that you had with a customer that maybe was stuck with you or was funny or a customer that booked with you. Yeah. So the best part about doing a lot of wine education is that people come from all walks of life to wine somehow. I never am in a room with people that all have the same profession or have all lived in the same places or have all grown up in the same way. And yet we all find ourselves around a table or around a tasting bar talking about wine. And for me, it's helping people discover something new. The light bulb that happens when I can help somebody understand something new about wine, that no matter where they came from or what they've had in the past, they're able to then apply to the new knowledge in wine. That's the best part. So kind of speaking to that, you know, right now I like, you know, you only, let's say you only drink red wine or you only drink white wine, or I run into that a lot. And the minute that I can have somebody discover a white wine, if they're a red drinker, those are the moments that stick out to me because it's the texture, it's the flavors, it's where they would have it with food that then lead them to a whole new doorway for new wines that they can start buying and exploring. So to me, those are the best stories for when I'm working with the client are the discovery moments where I can see the light bulbs turn on. Can you think of an example in your recent Telesom virtual tastings that are kind of memorable? Yeah, there have been a lot of light bulb moments. I think my favorite ones are people that are booking my classes for specific interests. So one of my classes is learn about small producers of Sonoma, for example. The interesting part is that when people come onto the Sonoma tasting, I always ask, you know, where, what do you typically drink? Where have you been for wineries? Obviously you booked Sonoma for a reason. There may be one or two people that are like, oh yeah, I've had Sonoma, but there's always somebody who's like, nope, I'm a Napa person. And they'll just get out there and like, they they only drink Napa wines from California, but they're on the Sonoma tasting. And I've been on a lot of those classes. For some reason, that's the one that sticks out to me of like, I never knew that Sonoma made wine like that. And it's the coolest thing. It's the coolest thing to have somebody open up a whole new world where they can start buying wines and try new regions. That happens a lot on the Sonoma small producer tasting for sure. What's the most interesting place you've actually tasted wine at? you know, when we've been to do things in person? Oh gosh. Well, that's really tough because I feel very fortunate to have been to a lot of the places that I love to drink wine from. But I think I was super intrigued and kind of felt exotic at the time uh, being in the Rhone Valley. Now I told you I love Syrah. So it was a dream come true for me to be there. But seeing how steep those slopes are in person you appreciate that wine that made it to your glass so much more because I was standing there in the Rhone Valley. You're like, you know, I'm in San Josef, I'm in Cornas, and I'm looking at the incline of the slopes where these vines are. And I remember thinking, 
that is so dangerous to go get those grapes. Like there are people that are risking their practical lives to like go up there. And it just brought the wines to life. I think that's what happens when you go to places, you see the beginnings of why the wine may taste the way it does, or you see why people are working as hard as they do to bring it to your, to your glass. If you don't go there, you don't see that aspect of it. So yeah, the Rhone Valley was one of those total eye-opening moments for me by far. I have yet to make it to the South of France for wine. Hermitage, Saint-Joseph, I will be there soon, um, but I am so jealous. So that sounds really cool. Hermitage is actually the background on my computer right now. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> the picture is Ça worth très bon. Magnifique. <laughs> so, you know, we talked a little bit about an interesting experience you had with a customer and some of your favorite places that you've been and tasted wine. And in all of those experiences, I imagine possibly there was a blooper or a faux pas or some sort of funny mishap that may have happened to you. And I was wondering if you could share a story about that. Oh, I'm laughing so hard right now on my inside of my heart because yes, you said that. And I was like, oh my gosh, biggest blooper of my online wine life. Yes. Happened via Telesom. My clients couldn't have been nicer. So thank you to that. But yes, in the world of wine, when we all went online, I can't say that I had the biggest, uh, the best setup at home to do online wine things. My computer was a little bit out of date. Okay. Like a lot, a lot (laughs) out of date. Um, and yeah, did not have the right equipment. So I tried to log on one day and my computer completely was not connecting to zoom, which when you do a virtual wine class, you kind of need to be on zoom. Couldn't get my screen to go up. Couldn't get my PowerPoint going all these things. I'm texting with Telesam. I'm texting with the client. I'm like, I can't get online. I can call you. So I ended up getting on the phone, like this whole mess. This is like early COVID times. And I'm just like, this is, this is not going to work. I got online with them in terms of me being on the phone, but they had no online presentation. It was just my crazy voice talking about wine. Probably not ideal. We offered them a free class if they were willing to rebook and try it again. And you know what? They did. And so thank you to them for doing that. So I could show them what it really is supposed to be like. So yeah, we got back online the next week in the, in the middle of that, I bought a whole new computer a whole new setup, got a new like internet boost on my, on my Comcast, like all of that, because you know what, that's how we connect with people. So it was worth it, but, oh, they were so patient with me. If you're going to do an online class and you can't get online, that's your, that's your fail right there, but we did it. We got it. They learned something. They tasted good wines. It's all good. She persisted to get online. I love that. So I'd be apropos not to ask you um, what sound you associate with the world of wine, as this is a podcast. Ooh, I've never even stopped to think about that. That's a really cool question. I am very intrigued by this whole process because I do a little amateur podcasting myself, and it's very odd for me to be on the receiving side. I think about, I listen to a lot of podcasts, but it's not really me on them. No one's usually asking me the questions, so... I really appreciate that question. I think sound for me, I don't ever really think about with wine. I think about colors. I think about colors and I think about texture. I actually have never stopped to think about that. So I may have to get back to you. I I honestly feel like wine activates memories 
in my mind. Um, it's super visual and not necessarily smell, um, sound related to me. So yes, when I taste a wine, I think about what it feels like, what it, what texture reminds me of and what I've tasted or smelled recently. That's really what's connected to me for wine. Although there are, there are telesoms that do a lot of music and wine pairings and I'm slowly getting there. I will try to put on certain records at home and like my vinyl collection, I'll try to put stuff on and be like, what would I drink with that? But my main connection to wine is is texture and color for sure. Hey, we're trying to break into sound with a little wine with this uh, this podcast series. We're grateful that you're experimenting with us here. So I had a, one other question I wanted to pose to you. You know, we all, you know, frequently we say like, you know, we walk a jagged road, so to speak, to get to where we are. And of course you have the cork in the road and, you know, we learn so much from our lived experiences. And so we were wondering, is there a lesson that you've learned in your time as a Psalm that you apply to your own, you know, to your own life? Really good question, because that's actually one of the main reasons I love wine is that it is absolutely interconnected with all aspects of life. If you truly love wine, if you are truly passionate about pursuing wine as an academic as an artist, as an environmentalist, whatever it is that brings you to wine in the first, as a historian, can't say that because my husband is the history side of things. Whatever brings you to wine is connected absolutely to other aspects of your life. Wine does not live in a vacuum to me. It's connected to things like social justice. It's connected. It is political. It is absolutely agricultural. There are so many things that are connected with that. So for me, wine is my people. It's my community. It's my relationships with people. It's also how I travel and explore the world. Wine is a big part of why I go to where I go or who I see. It's a lot of that. So definitely woven into all aspects of my life. True wine nerd over here, I would say. There's there's no getting away from wine, no matter how far I try to get away. Yeah, it sounds like wine's like kind of your connection. So it's almost like the puzzle pieces are always going to be looped in with some wine sealant, it sounds. I'm not opposed to that soggy puzzle. Is there a story that's resonating with you lately? I will say, not to be like on a downer note, but I think it kind of points to the real life. I was at a tasting here in Atlanta, and we were tasting an incredible wine, and someone said, you know, yeah, we we have this wine, but it's the last vintage because the producer just passed away. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of those things where you just appreciate in that moment the craft in the glass and you realize that it was the extension of that person's soul, knowledge, heart, all of that came through in that wine. And it really meant something. It was very special to be tasting that wine and just a reminder that wine is so much more than just the beverage itself. Sounds like a sacred experience. All right, final question. Doesn't have to be related to wine, but what's bringing you joy right now? Um, the fact that I can hug people again. I know that's probably super cheesy and super like butterflies and rainbows, but yeah. my full-time job is in public health. And so the past year has been very strict for me on COVID protocols. And the fact that I can just feel vaccinated and happy and go and hug other vaccinated people, I feel like this is the most, this is the time when we are getting all the things that we miss the most back in our life. You can choose what those things are. So for me, it's like 
simple wine dinners at people's houses indoors with our masks off. That's what I miss the most. If you would have asked me that two years ago, I probably wouldn't have said that, but like, that's what I want. So I'm, what's bringing me joy is knowing my priorities and knowing my boundaries and knowing what does make me happy versus what doesn't. I learned that and I'm very happy to keep building on the things that make me happy versus not. Well, we're grateful that you're working in public health and wine and you've taken time out of your busy day to chat with us about your Psalm story and all that you're doing with the Telesalm. So thank you so much, Kelly. Thanks for having me. This has been fun, y'all. Thanks for listening to an Invino Fab and Telesalm production, The Smalliest Stories, Uncorking Wine Tales. If you liked this episode, tell a friend to subscribe and leave us a rating review in Apple Podcasts. Telesalm brings the psalm to you. Check us out online at telesalm.app or on Instagram at telesalm.app. We can't wait to meet you.